You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. With me is Ian Cunningham, who's a portfolio manager at 91 in London. And Ian has co-managed the global macro allocation strategy for five years at 91. Ian, let's go back to basics if we can. What's the strategy's philosophy? So the, what the strategy is trying to achieve is we're, we're ultimately trying to aid investors in, in generating high social returns in a world where valuations across asset classes are reasonably extended and prospective returns across the next decade are a bit of a struggle. One of our core beliefs is that macroeconomic themes have significant influence on the global economy and asset markets. And we um, use a thematic macro framework, sort of a five to 10 year framework to identify areas with significant tailwinds or excess growth. And then we're looking to, to effectively buy companies and assets that are beneficiaries of those tailwinds. We pursue a very large opportunity set, so across all of the liquid spectrum of asset classes, so we can can find opportunities across the, the market cycle. And then lastly, we, we do asset allocation a little bit differently to, to what you may see elsewhere. So we employ a counter-cyclical approach to asset allocation, which effectively means when markets are, are becoming more excited and throthy and valuations are extended, we'll be taking risk down within the strategy. And then when uh, there's pessimism, valuations are cheap, um, and there's a, a degree of concern within markets, that's typically when we're, we're allocating capital into our longer-term investment ideas. So it's really those those key points that, that underpin the strategy. One of the things that comes across in both the presentations that you kindly sent me is that the word flexibility uh, is, is, is to the fore. And I think in one, in one paragraph you said, if necessary, you can become very risk-averse. And in another instance, you could embrace risk. So you can be very, very flexible in this strategy. Yes, entirely. And we think that's likely to become increasingly important over the next decade. I mean, when we look at prospective returns, given where bond yields sit and given where equity valuations are now, so bond yields are obviously very low, valuations are extended within equity markets. Um, the prospective re- return of, say, a 60-40 balanced portfolio on a global basis sits somewhere in the region of, of just under 3% per annum over the next decade. So we think it's going to be increasingly important for investors to use flexibility over the next decade. And, and that flexibility, we believe, needs to be underpinned by a focus on risk premia as well. So you want to be allocating capital when risk premia are expanded and when valuations are cheap. And then you want to be effectively withdrawing that capital and, and, and seeking to preserve it when um, arguably when we're in a situation like we are now where valuations are quite extended, we can see a prospective macro weakness on the horizon over the next 12 months. And ultimately, investors are pretty enthusiastic. So we're taking capital and looking to preserve it at the at the moment. Okay, so preservation of capital is incredibly important. We'll come to that later on. It's almost like climate events, which seem to be becoming more pronounced and more frequent. So are macro events. How has the last five years been? And maybe condense that five years down to the last two years, if you would. Yes, yeah, so as always, it's um, things have been been eventful. I think particularly over the last 10 years, things have been more eventful than you would have seen historically. So um, there tends to be more um, intermediate disruptions to asset markets. And I think since we've been running the strategy, there was obviously a, a, a big bull run through the end of 2016 into 2017. And obviously concerns around uh, Federal Reserve liquidity withdrawal in 2018, whilst China was also doing macro prudential um, tightening measures, caused a lot of volatility in asset markets through the back end of 2018. Then all the trade wars that we've, we've seen uh, between the US and China through 2019. And then obviously, as we came into 2020, the left tail shot coming from from COVID, which was then followed by very aggressive easing, um, which has pushed risk asset markets significantly higher since. So there's certainly been 
plenty of opportunities to use that flexibility um, to try and compound returns for investors over the past five years. Yes, indeed. Let's look at those opportunities because as the macro events bombard you more than they have done maybe when you first started as an investment professional, do you view this with your head in your hands or do you say, goodness me, look at these opportunities? How do you approach it? Yes, yeah, so I think the as we, as we mentioned before, the the underpinning of that use of flexibility and and a counter cyclical approach to using that flexibility um, has allowed us to allocate capital into weakness. So in 2016, we were running uh, quite a high level of equity exposure in the back end of of that period, very low exposure to to bond markets as we saw obviously a macroeconomic improvement beginning to to emerge. Um, Then I think in 2018, where we saw high real interest rates present across government bond markets, we had uh, we built quite significant exposure to to government bonds during that period, um, which then obviously worked out quite well as we, we move forward. And then I think the biggest opportunity that has emerged was obviously in March and April of last year, where we had close to 25% of the portfolio held in cash going into the COVID shock, and we were able to reallocate that into to effectively lots of dislocations that were present across markets as we saw central banks and governments begin to come in and backstop the, the system. If I read this correctly, back in around October, you were very, very bullish indeed when it came to certain risk assets. Now, you haven't done a U-turn, but certainly you're just significantly more cautious. Why have you suddenly gone cautious? What's been the catalyst for that? Yeah, so just for context, last year, after after the COVID shock, we were, were very constructive on risk asset markets on the basis that we believe there would be a bumpy recovery but there would be ongoing significant liquidity provision by central banks and obviously governments providing money into the, the real economy. So that that coupled with a view that, that vaccines would make progress through the back end of last year allowed us to remain very constructive on, on markets and deliver quite strong performance through that, that period. And I think as, we, as we've got into particularly the second quarter of this year, we've become we've become far more cautious for a number of reasons. So, so liquidity has probably been the primary driver of the post-COVID bull market that we've seen. Um, we believe that's turning. So we're effectively passing the point of maximum liquidity as many central banks begin to, to stop, uh, either stop printing money, tapering printing money, and then obviously the likes of the Federal Reserve will do so as we move forward over the next six months. Um, so liquidity is, is going to be less ample. But for us, the, the big concern at the moment is effectively policy tightening and liquidity withdrawal that's taking place in China. So China's adopted a far more orthodox policy and they have effectively created quite a sharp down leg in their their credit cycle over the past six months in particular, um, which should lead to effectively slower growth across the Chinese economy across the next six to 12 months. And we, we, we think that's quite underappreciated by financial markets at the moment, particularly given where, where valuations are, which is quite extended across the board. Without giving away too much and without being too specific, what is your current allocation? So the, the allocations have changed quite notably. So um, through the the beginning of this year, into the second quarter, we probably had close to 75% in equities. Um, that's come down at close to 50%. Um, and within fixed income, through the first part of the year, we had very little exposure to fixed income because we thought bond yields would rise. Um, we've since um, taken fixed income allocation from about 3% up to 25% um, into um, select emerging market low currency bonds, but most predominantly into defensive markets like Australia, New Zealand and uh, Korea. And then the, the currency overlay across the, the top of the strategy has also changed quite notably. So through much of last year, we had a preference for select emerging market currencies as well as Asian currencies, predominantly the Chinese currency. Um, and we were, were, were effectively long 
China and EM versus dollars and euros. And now when we look at things, we've actually begun to move the portfolio along the US dollar after the Federal Reserve pivoted. We're starting to move net short Asian currencies given the prospects for, for Chinese growth. Uh, EM exposure has been completely brought down to, to zero. And we've started to move quite long the Japanese yen versus the, the euro, which is a defensive position historically. Final question. The road to 2030 is a 91 initiative. Where do you fit in with that, the global macro allocation strategy? Where do you fit in? Yes, so the the road to 2030 is is obviously a a project driven by our investment institute uh, with work in the multi-asset team and then broader collaboration across the the business. So that's looking at the major macroeconomic themes that are going to influence the global economy and then the the secondary and tertiary themes that obviously are, are, are important drivers heading forward in terms of tailwinds and, and areas of, of headwinds. Now, the, the road to 2030 is is effectively global macro allocations thematic roadmap. So what we're doing is we're, we're using that road to 2030, that, um, that, that roadmap or framework to, to effectively filter our universe to find those areas of tailwinds or excess growth. And then we're going and researching and finding companies or great companies that can be beneficiaries of those, those tailwinds. So it's really our, it's really our longer term um, investment roadmap that, that underpins everything that we're doing within the, the global macro allocation strategy. Ian, thank you so much for your time. That's Ian Cunningham, who has co-managed the Global Macro Allocation Strategy at 91 in London for five years. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.